Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. We've been uh, busy with the sermon series this last three weeks called Stones. And um, if you're thinking we are throwing stones, no, we are laying stones called foundations in our lives. And, and the whole series uh, speak about the importance of foundations in our lives. We need foundations. When you build a house, the most important thing you can do for when, before you build a house is to, to build and lay that foundation. Why? Because when you build the house, the structure, it needs to be strong. When storms of life comes and beat against that house, it is important for the house to be strong. Now, our core scripture for the series is from Luke 6, verse 46. And it says the following, and, and I know we've, uh, we've seen this. It says the following. It says, I will show you. Uh, it's actually Jesus speaking at the, at, at the end of, his, um, of the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. And he ends with this story. He says, I will show you what it is like when, you, when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and laid a foundation on solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, or that house, it stands firm because it is well built. Well built. See, our lives need to be well built. Our lives need to be well built, but it can only be built upon a strong foundation as Christians. It's not just a house that is important. It's our lives that is important as well. Why? Because we're going to face storms in life. And we don't have a storm-free life. We need a storm-proof life. And I believe that God gives us that when we lay foundations in our lives as Christian believers. Now, in week one, we looked at the importance of building on the right foundation. You remember that? Now, not just building on the right foundations, but to know on what you are building your foundation. Where do you build or uh, dig deep for your foundation? You see, you can dig a foundation in sandy ground or muddy ground, and the foundation will still shift and, and, and give problems. But when you dig down on the rock, on a rocky surface, on a strong surface, the rock is Jesus. And when we build our foundation on Jesus, that means that what we build will be stronger. And we need to make sure that our foundation that we built on the ground we build it on is strong and solid. Now last week, week two, we looked at the first and most important stone to lay in our foundation, and that is the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We spoke about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, as believers, we cannot miss this gift. Now, I don't want to go into that because I'm very passionate about the Holy Spirit. I'm passionate about speaking to that. And, and, and before we came to Stellenbosch, we had 15 years of every year. We started out the year with a student camp with about 100 student first years. And, and the last night we preached about the Holy Spirit. And young people get filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. And, and their lives radically change in that moment. And it's so, such a favorite moment for me every time we pray and we, we talk about the Holy Spirit. We pray about the Holy Spirit because I know the effects that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. No, I don't know about you, but I cannot see my life or my relationship or my walk with Christ without the Holy Spirit in it. I cannot do that. Because it's, it's had such a strong and powerful effect in my life that it's impossible to see it without it. 
You know, it's like watching rugby without the Stormers playing. It's impossible to... I'm just joking. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> Bad example. Don't go there. Overshare. Now, last week, we've prayed for many people for baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and I know God touched so many of you, and today we want to do that again after the service. So if you still have a need for the Holy Spirit, please come afterwards. Come speak to me, and we want to pray for you. Now, the Holy Spirit is the first important stone we need to lay our foundation with. It's the first one. It's where God empowers us to do great things. It's where He empowers us to handle the storms in life. But today, I want to speak about the second most important stone of foundation block that we need to lay. And this foundation stone will strengthen and protect our relationship with God. It's very important. But it, it won't just protect our relationship with God, it will protect the foundations in your life that you have. And I'm speaking about the Word of God as a foundation. The Word. The Bible. The Word that we get into our lives on a daily, or need to get into our lives on a daily basis. Now I want to start out with a story this morning um, that will illustrate the point where I'm going this morning. So I know all of us love stories, but... One of my life lists, do you have a bucket list? I've got a life list. I'm not, I'm not focusing on death, I'm focusing on life. But I've got a life list. Uh, one of my life list things that I want to do is I want to go to Yosemite National Park in California. I want to stand in that park and look at the El Capitan, one of the most famous popular rock faces where all rock climbers and mountain climbers dream about to just get there. And um, I don't know if you've seen it. I have a picture here. There we go. Uh, that's Yosemite. You see, way at the back is El Capitan, and it's, it's one of the most beautiful parks in the world. And there's so many picturesque moments in that place. And, and on my computer, I've got the rock face of El Capitan, and just to see, Lord, oh, it's so amazing that you can create something beautiful like that. But, but the other great thing about Yosemite is, is they've got the redwood forests there. And, and in the redwood forest are situated, uh, Yosemite is situated in the redwood forest, surrounded by it. But the great thing about the redwood forest, it is filled with the sequoia trees. Now, sequoia trees are some of the biggest and tallest trees in the world. One of the biggest and tallest trees. It can get up to 85 meters tall. Now, that's quite high. It's higher than the Statue of Liberty, actually, if you, if you, if you look at some of the, the comparisons higher than three, four, five-story buildings. It's the trees, and, the, and the, the, the trees surrounding it, I mean, you can see people, they're actually the, one of the most famous trees, Rachel probably know better than us, but one of the most famous trees in the Redwood Forest actually fell down a couple of years ago. They built a road through the tree. <laughs> they literally carved the road through the tree. And it's so amazing, one of my dreams to get there. But in the early 2000s, I don't know if you know the story, Two of these huge sequoia trees just fell over in, in the middle, in the, in the most popular areas of the park, just fell over. And immediately, um, the forest services immediately launched an investigation of why these trees fell over. Because for years and years, none of these trees has, has fallen. Now see, these trees become anything between 300 to 500 years old, and the, and the scientists actually can prove that says that if you leave these trees in the, in the right area, in the right, it can actually get up to 3,000 years old. It is one of the most amazing trees, but the wood is very, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of wood, because they can't use the wood for, for building strong structures. So it's only there for 
for viewing. <laughs> they can't. They do use the wood for, for certain things. But this was a mysterious thing for these two trees just fallen over in the middle of, um, in the middle of nowhere. They didn't know what happened. What mysterious force could topple such a giant in such a great place? There have no, been no windstorms. There was no fires. There was no floods. There was no lightning strikes. There was nothing. There was no evidence of animals or insect damage. They went through all these investigations, figuring out what happened that this tree has just fallen over. Now, after they examined the tree, they came up to one conclusion that caused the falling of this tree, and it was one thing called foot traffic. Foot traffic. You see, in a report by some of the rangers, they explained that foot traffic around the base of the tree damaged the root system. Now, if you look at Yosemite, it's got about anything between two and three million visitors a year, and all of them goes to the scenic part where those trees were standing. People walking around the root systems of this tree, taking pictures, and think about three million feet through one year. Now, the park board immediately set a policy in to fence off the root system of this big, massive old sequoia trees. All the old scenic ones, they immediately fenced it off. Why? Because they had to keep the public from trampling the root systems of these giants. Now, it's amazing to realize that even these great trees in the forest that lives for hundreds of years can survive when there is no protection they can't survive when there's no protection around their root system. How about us? You see, it's true for the tree. It's also true for us as Christians. Now, we, do, we don't want people not to come around us or trample or foot traffic over us. Then it won't be bad as well. But our root systems as believers is as delicate as that tree's root system. It's more fragile than we would ever imagine. See, unless we find a way to protect and to nourish those roots in our lives, those foundations, we will too fall. See, it can be one great physical or emotional or moral collapse in our lives. Or maybe it can be little by little, month after month, year after year, gradually weakening our lives, eroding our, person, uh, our personalities and killing the essence of who we are. I always say, how do you break a big truck's axle? with a small teaspoonful of sand. How do you do that? Year after day after day, moment after moment, every teaspoon of sand will someday break the axle of a truck. You see, it's not only the, the one little teaspoon, it's day by day, day by day, when things happen, when foot traffic around the foundations in our lives, the root system in our lives, damage our foundations. You see, it is the sacred enclosures around our roots that will save our lives. And it is the enclosure that will guard our foundations and allows us to keep standing. Now for us, this foundational enclosure, enclosure around our lives and root system is called the Word of God. We need the Word in our lives. We so need the Word in our lives to bring life. You see, the Word is a life essential to every Christian. It is a life essential. What is the number one thing that the enemy wants to keep you from? Think about it. Reading your Bible. 
How many Christians come to me on a weekly basis and say, oh, I feel so guilty, I feel so far from God. The number one thing because they feel far from God is because they haven't spent time in the Word. And because, yes, it's guilt first, I feel guilty because I haven't spent time in the world. But it is a life essential in our lives, and that's what the enemy knows. He goes after the things in your life that's bringing the most life into your life. Why do you think it's the most fights in church world about Holy Spirit? About um, communion? Some of the most powerful things in the church world is the biggest debates and the fights over because the enemy knows that's where the true power lies. The enemy knows that if he keeps you out of the word, he takes you out of a life essential to help you grow and to get that enclosure around your root system. Now see, it's spending unrushed time alone with God is very important. But if the word is not always an immediate cure for every problem in our lives, I know that. It's not an immediate cure. But it's the one thing, if you neglect the word, suddenly there is issues in your life. I've seen that. Just issues pop out from everywhere because there's no word in your life. There's no enclosure around your root system that protects you and protect that foundations in your life. But see, spending unrushed time alone with God and, and in the word releases a fountain of refreshment in our core being. I don't know if you, if you felt down or uh, down and out and you just feel, and you take the word and you start reading Psalms. I do that sometimes and most of the time in the evening before I go to bed, I just take the Passion Translation and it's so amazing because it brings the Psalms to life. And I just start reading a Psalm until something strikes me and I feel so refreshed. I don't know about you. Now there's about four things this morning that I want to look at and quickly mention what the Word will do in our lives. Is that okay? Can we quickly look at it? Number one is the Word will keep us prepared. How many of you like being prepared? If you go on holiday, come on, there's a mom. Yes. One of you, my wife probably would have two hands, uh, hands up. She loves preparing. She's a planner and a, she, she's got a five-year plan. Everything is planned. I'm sometimes more impulsive. Let's just do this. But we need to plan. If you go on holiday, it's important to plan. And to be prepared for everything that will come. If you go overseas, I've got friends who travel a lot and they always have a spare packet of antibiotics when they go overseas. They have antibiotics, they've got this, they're prepared. They always believe in being prepared. And it's so important for us to be prepared. See, the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our daily lives, knows when and what you will face in the future, in the months to come, in the days to come. Do you know that? God knows our past and our future. He knows it. And the Holy Spirit knows what we will face, you will face in the months to come, in the days to come. Listen to what the Scripture says in Matthew 13.23. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's Word and produces a harvest 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. They say the seed fell in the ground. Now the Holy Spirit plants a seed, the word in our lives, sorry, plants a seed in our hearts every time we read it. So every time we read and deposit the words in our lives on a daily basis, the Holy Spirit comes and He plants the seeds that He knows you will and me will need in weeks and days to come. Isn't that amazing to know? If I think every time I open the word and I read this thing, I read, sometimes you read things and I think, why am I reading this? 
Why is this necessary for my life? This is not going to do anything for me. Have you ever felt like that? Come on, let's just be honest. My hands are up. It's like, why am I reading this numbers book? It's just, it doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with me. But see, the Holy Spirit knows whenever you read this word, He knows what you're going to go through in a month from now. He knows what we are going to step through in the next two, three years or what we're going to face. He knows. So He's busy planting seeds, preparing us for life. He's preparing us for the storms of life that will come and making sure that we are checking, protecting that foundations in your life. You see, these seeds will bear fruit in a perfect time. And whenever we need it the most in that challenging time, that fruit will come up. That tree will blossom. That seed will, 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 will germinate and grow. And it takes time for a seed to germinate and grow. Amen? I mean, it takes time, and that's why we need to make sure that we plant that seeds in our lives and make sure that we prepare for the times and, uh, and give the Holy Spirit a chance in your life to prepare us without us knowing. It's amazing, isn't it? We need to trust God to be prepared in everything. As a parent, you want to be prepared. I remember when we, we realized we are pregnant with twins. I mean, it was the first week we went to this baby fair somewhere there in Joburg and the Coca-Cola Dome and we were still in Poch and, and I remember my wife, she's, she looks like she looks, she didn't look pregnant uh, she, and so we walked to all the stalls it's like, and the, the woman with the people at the stalls would look at her and it's like, are you pregnant? She said, yes, yes, twins. And I was like, really? And they gave us a bag of nappies and it's like, oh, maybe you're just here to score some stuff. But see, God has already planted the seed. He is something that was God pre busy preparing us. And one or two things we bought there that actually helped us so much when the twins were born. You see, it's important for us to be prepared. And if you don't have the word in your life, there is no seed. And if there is no seed, there will not be fruit to help you in times when you really need the fruit in your life. Number two, the word will keep us fruitful. It will give us seed, but it will also keep us fruitful. See, it's amazing to see what people do to achieve fruitfulness or success. Whether it is love life, business, finances, just what will people do to be successful? How many of you have received this WhatsApp or this email or this, in, in my days, SMSs or texts? This is a prayer chain. Copy and paste this message and place your name in it and then send it to 50 people. Don't break the chain. This thing is going from 2001, has been going for 20 years. If you break the chain, the people will not get their breakthrough. Absolutely rubbish. Nonsense. <laughs> I mean, this WhatsApp can be as old as 1901. There is no power in that. There is no power. There's no, <laughs> those things can't make our prayer work or not work or bring success or, or achievements or breakthrough. What do we depend on to help us achieve success in life? Think about it. What do we personally do to bring success or achievement into our lives? What do we depend on? Now listen what the Word says. God comes and speaks to Joshua after the, one of the most greatest leaders in the Bible passed away, Moses, and, and, and Joshua needs to lead over two million people, and God comes to him and said, Joshua, study this book of instruction continually. He's speaking about the Bible. 
He says, meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Only then. You see, the secret to this success, to achieving things in life and be fruitful in all we do comes down to what we do with God's Word every day. What do you do with the Word every day? You see, it's easy to read the Word. But it's a different ball game to apply the Word. Do we apply it? What do we do with the Word? You read these beautiful scriptures, but what do you do with it? Do you speak it? Do you pray it? Do you confess it? Do you believe it? It is very important. What do we do with the Word every day? See, we need to be intentional to let God's Word bear fruit in our lives. You can read the Word and read it and read it. And it's, beautiful. Oh, it's a beautiful scripture. You can read the scripture, what, what God said to Joshua. He said, meditate on His Word day and night. Med- just meditate. And He said, oh, that's a beautiful scripture. But see, the time when I read it and I start thinking about the scripture, thinking about how do I meditate? When you're in the shower, what do you meditate on? It's an amazing thing some people think about. Like God speak to me in the shower. It's weird. But some people, or on my bicycle, God speak to me a lot. But when I start meditating on things that is, that is not from God, it, I realize that there's, there's fruit in my life that I've meditated or had some seeds in my life that I've watching more, too, too much series or movies or, and it's bringing fruit into my life that I'm meditating on. And when you take the scripture and you meditate on it and you meditate on it, God starts breaking these things open and he keeps us fruitful. It keeps us fruitful in everything we do. Why? Because we grow constantly. I don't know about you, but I want to grow as a Christian till the day I die. Because the, the Scriptures and the Word are so rich that we can't get everything there is to get. I think we'll still learn in heaven. So the Word keeps us fruitful. Number three, the Word enables us to recognize His voice. How many of you ever need to hear God's voice more clearer in your life? Come on, all of our hands need to be up. We, want, we need to have a need to hear God's voice more clearer every day of our lives. Now, so many Christians struggle with this, believe it or not. They struggle hearing God's voice, but, most, but the most prominent way God speaks to us is through the Word. There's three ways God speaks to me. I always say this to, to all people. I say, God speaks to us verbally. Now, it probably happens to you once or twice in your lifetime, or maybe never. It doesn't mean you're a better or a greater Christian or greater man or woman of God. It doesn't care. But God speaks verbally to us. It happened to me twice in my life. God had to speak verbally to me to go into ministry. <laughs> I, had to, I had to hear it. Secondly, God speaks to us through people around us, prophetically, through a hug sometimes, through um, sometimes, um, it's amazing, sometimes God speaks to us through moments of offense <laughs> through people. And how we grow through it, God speaks to us and we grow. And, but thirdly, God speaks to us through the Word. And that's probably the most thing that God speaks to us. When we open the Word, God speaks to us through that Word. And that's where we learn to hear His voice on a daily basis. You see, Jesus used the illustration of a shepherd. And, and how his sheep knows how to follow him. Listen to the scripture. 
It says, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. Now he's talking about a shepherd. And they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Now, see, the sheep knows the shepherd's voice. Why? Because that's the only voice they hear. That's the voice they hear most of the time, all of the time. So they trust that voice. They hear that voice, and that's the voice they follow. See, the sheep knows the shepherd's whistle, the comforting tones of his voice in the night when the wild animals roam around. See, they know the shepherd's tone of voice when danger is near, but they also know his tone of voice when he comforts them. The sheep knows the shepherd's voice when there's authority. They, they know his voice in confidence. They know his voice in care, in concern for them. That's why the sheep will never follow a stranger's voice. Why? Because it's not familiar to them. So for me, every time I read that scripture, the question comes up, how many voices do I have in my life? What is the prominent voice that I listen to in my life? That prominent voice will determine what I listen to, who I follow you see, the same, it's the same with a banker. When they count notes, banknotes, they count it every day. And when you throw in one counterfeit note there, what will happen? They immediately stop, take it out, and throw it away. Why? Because they study banknotes. Every moment of every day, that's what they do. They immediately they know the difference. And for us as Christians, when we focus on the Word of God, we get to listen and to know God's voice every time and every moment of the day. So when a voice comes that is not from God, guess what? It's like a counterfeit note. Oh, no, there's something off there. Something is not right. And immediately we can distinguish between God's voice and voices which is not from God. But we need the Word in our lives to, to amplify God's voice in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirit. When we take the Word and we meditate on it, it resonates in our hearts and in our, in our spirit. And when we have more of that, we have more of God's voice in our hearts. You see, when you, when you, when you fail to read your, the, the Bible or you don't get into the Word as much as you often want to, we're going to struggle to hear His voice on a constant basis in our lives. And that's one of the motivations for me. I said, Lord, I'm going to open my Bible. I don't know where to read sometimes. I've got a system. I've got this. But I'm just going to let the Word wash me today. I'm going to read it and let the Word wash me. And as the Word wash me, I'm going to learn how to hear your voice. And it's amazing when I take that stand. It's amazing how God, one phrase out of the Bible will speak to me straight up, directly. And it will hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, but I've never seen this, but I read the scriptures for so many times. And in that moment, we hear and we listen and we get to know God's voice to be even more louder in our lives. The more we read the word, the more we will learn to recognize the voice. And then number four, the word helps us make wise decisions. How many of you want to make wise decisions in your life? Man, I, I, would, I want to make wise decisions, especially when it's come to my kids, to my finances, to the church, to wherever you are leading and guiding, you want to make wise decisions. You want to make wise decisions for your wife as a husband. Wives, you want to make wise decisions for your husband as a wife. You want to make wise decisions as a business owner. 
as a friend. We want to make wise decisions. Now, I don't know if you are aware of the, st- the statistic, but a normal human being makes about 300 decisions a day. 300, give or take. That's quite a lot. How would I brush my teeth today? Do I use this? Do I, do I eat breakfast now or later? Do I drive this way to work or that way? Do I, I mean, you catch my drift. We make decisions up to 300 and more every day. Now, probably 10% of those decisions are proved to be life-changing decisions. Life-changing. Am I going to pursue this relationship or not? Am I going to take this job or not? Am I going to have time for my family today or not? Or am I going to start a family or not? Or maybe, maybe I can catch this red light or not. See, life and death decisions, 10% of the time in our lives. Now, as we weigh these options with all these decisions every day, we will draw the information we need from somewhere. And sometimes you will draw this information from a well. From what well are you drawing your information to make wise decisions in your life? Which well do you send down your bucket to draw that wisdom out? You see, they say, by the time a child has reached university... By, a child, by the time a child has reached university, they would have had eight times more television and seven times more worldly culture and education than spiritual or church input. I'm not talking even talking about social media, cell phones. I'm not even talking about that. That's probably going to be more shocking. But our children have so much more input from the Word and from a spiritual input than what the world is giving us at the moment. From what, into what well are you sending down your bucket to get wisdom from? See, I'm, I'm thinking about it doesn't just have to be your spiritual life, but in everything in life. The Scriptures are packed with mentors that can mentor us, that can mentor us in life, that knows exactly how to fail and to make it. That they knows exactly what to face, the greatest challenges in their lives, and then to make it. They've been through the ups and downs of life. They've been through the challenging and the great things in life. There's wisdom in this well. There's so much wisdom in this well. But can you see the problem we're facing today? Of how much of non-word and things we are having to deal with on a daily basis. See, there's no substitute for drawing from the well of God's Word daily. There's no substitute. Nothing. Look at what James says in James, um, in James 1 verse 5 to 6. It says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Isn't that amazing? God will never rebuke you if you ask Him for wisdom. Maybe you will feel as stupid as you can, but come to God as a child, and said, Lord, I ask you for wisdom today. He says, he will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty. Um, the other scripture says, for those who doubt is unsettled as a wave in the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. You see, the, 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 the world brings doubt into your life, and we have to face a lot of doubt in our lives. I don't know about you, do I have to buy this or that? Or do I have to do this? Do I make do I have this decision or that decision? There's so much doubt 
And we need wisdom. See, God gives us wisdom, and as we linger and meditate on His Word, we get more wisdom. I need to linger and meditate and, and park on some scriptures. There's been times where for months at end, I've parked at a chapter in the Bible, and I just couldn't get through this thing because it just speak to me. And as I meditate on a scripture, more wisdom came into my life. And then realized later, months later, I realized, oh, Lord, I needed that for now. If you haven't broke open the word in that time in my life, I would have struggled here. See, as the word becomes part of us, we will know what is the right decision to make, what is the right answer to that question. And as Christians, we never really stumble over the rights and the wrongs. Come on, let's just be honest. We know what right and wrong is. Well, you know what we stumble over? If, th- if something is wise or unwise. We know the right and wrongs in life. I know when something is right and wrong, and we know the broad, but do I know if it is wise or unwise? We need wisdom. I don't know about you. I need wisdom on a daily basis as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend. I need wisdom in my life. Now I want to finish with this life lesson from Jesus. And I love Jesus' life lessons because it brings something into our lives that answers questions. Jesus knew with simple stories, with th- simple things in his life, he used it that was so profound in our lives today. Now if you go to, to Luke 10, verse 38, it's a story that we all know so well of two women who were excited to get Jesus to come over and have lunch with them. He says, And as Jesus and his disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where two women welcomed Jesus in their home. Her name was Martha, and she, has, uh, she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every relation he shared, revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated with finishing the numerous household chores in, pre- in preparation for her guests, which is fair. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, do you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her, you should tell her, <laughs> you should tell her to get up and help me. So the Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. Why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and won't take this privilege, and I won't take this privilege from her. Now let me paint you the picture quickly. Two women ran into Jesus on the street, and he went to them like he did with so many. He said, I'm going to have dinner with you tonight. Man, and they were so excited. They ran home. They got home and said, ooh, duh, my house is in a mess. I need to do something. We need to do. So they started running around, just doing everything, making food, washing the dishes. I mean, it's been crazy in that house. And suddenly Jesus came a bit earlier than expected. He came there earlier than expected. And he came in. It's like opening his arms of embrace and just, hi, girls, how are you? I mean, think about it when Jesus, when you know Jesus comes to your house tonight. Come on, ladies. What do you do? I mean, you would like, excuse me, in your car, home. I mean, cleaning the floors, doing things, washing cups, making coffees along, getting the snacks ready. I mean, Jesus is coming. And then suddenly he comes earlier and he just opens his arms lovingly and embraces them. 
And at that point, what does Mary do? Mary drops everything, right? just the activities, preparations. She just put that stack of dishes right there on the cupboard. And what does she do? She just set herself at the feet of Jesus as close as she could get. She just wanted to get more of him. See, her household tasks could wait, dinner could wait. She only had ears and eyes for the king, for Jesus. She just wanted to get more of him. Now Martha, however, and this is also fair, she saw the job unfinished. So she kept on working harder than ever and faster because now she's alone. And finally the volcano erupted. And she walked right into that meeting, into everyone, interrupted Jesus, and Jesus said, Jesus, I'm the lady of this house. Can you just tell my sister to get her act right? Come tell her to help me. And I love Jesus' response. Just so loving. He said, Martha, why are you so distracted? Why are you so distracted by these things? Now Jesus didn't say unimportant things. He just says, said, why are you distracted by these things? And the word distracted in the Hebrew context actually means pulled about. Pulled about. Have you ever felt like that? We've been there, right? We pulled from one important thing to the next important thing to this thing, running here, running there after a week. I've never read my Bible. Oh man, Jesus must be mad at me. Now I feel guilty. Maybe I shouldn't go to church on Sunday. I haven't read my Bible. (laughs) Does it seem familiar? Is he pulled about, distracted by so many things in our lives? So Jesus said to Mary, said, Mary's decision to cultivate her relationship with Jesus above everything else will not be taken from her into eternity, forever. That moment that Mary had with Jesus to cultivate that relationship, just to sit at his feet, will never be taken away from her. Never. That was how dearly Jesus saw that moment of devotion. You see, the choices we make in regarding our foundations in life have eternal implications. Eternal implications. When you read the psalm, it's just reading a psalm and flip open your Bible and every word that we read, every time we impart that word in our lives, it's got eternal implications in our lives. Now I've got news for all of us. We both, all of us are both Mary and Martha on a weekly basis. We are. We are. There will always be more and more demands of our time daily for things around us. Because things demand our time. Friends will demand our time. Things in our lives that we enjoy will demand our time. But we can choose what foundation to live from. We can. And we can choose to spend that quiet, reflective time alone with the Lord. Or will we allow life's pressures to work us into burnout? I'm not saying doing chores is not important. Absolutely. I had a friend of us uh, who was also in ministry and she had she was in the toddler phase. Almost like you guys. They're in the toddler phase. Small, smaller kids than time. <laughs> and her life was crazy. She had four kids running around doing chores. I mean, it's it's every day is crazy. And I sat one day with her and I said, How do you actually get into the word? You're in ministry. And I mean she's a powerful preacher. I said, how do you even prepare for preaching? And she said, Henny, 
I've realized in the first couple of months and even years, I've really struggled. Because I could never connect with God. And maybe you're not a mom or you're a businessman or you do things and you, you struggle to connect with Him. But what He what said to me that day changed my life and I realized it is all about perspective. She said, Jenny, you know, I could never read my Bible more than five minutes before, before one kid jumps on me and other one screams and this one needs to be fed and this one this. And I, could, I was so frustrated because I could never get to read the Word for more than two to five minutes. Every time I just get into it. So what I did is the kids always had a Bible reading thing that we did in the morning. And then we had 10 minutes of kids worship. So I put the kids CD on and worship. She says in that moment of five minute reading a Bible story and in the 10 minutes of worshiping with my kids, I had more defining, intimate, deep moments with the Holy Spirit than ever before. It was all a moment of changing my perspective. You see, we want to get into the Word for hours and it's like I need to pray for an hour today and I need to read for half an hour. And, see, and then what you do is you just load guilt onto yourself and you miss that fine, small, intimate moments with the Holy Spirit. You see, the world has, has created and painted this perspective for us that you need to spend hours and hours and hours in the Word for you to get really deep moments. Which is also true. But it's a Martha and Mary perspective. It's a Mar Martha and Mary perspective. You can sit at his feet for two minutes as a mum while the kids are sleeping for 10 minutes at least. Praying, your first, your first minute of prayer is like, Lord, please let the kids sleep 10 minutes more today. <laughs> We've been there. But in that moment, you learn how to encounter God in a deeper way. In that moment. And it is a moment, it's amazing how she said to me, say, Henny, when I started trusting God for my 10 minutes a day, it's amazing how God just showed up in that 10 minutes. In that 10 minutes. Being faithful of encountering me in that 10 minutes. If you're a, business, a businessman or your work is so um, engulfed with time and you're running from one place to another place, then what are you doing while driving to work? See, that can be a five minute of intimacy and connection with God. See, I have moments with God in a car that I could never explain to you where I had moments, intimate moments with the Lord. Just getting to connect with the Holy Spirit in that moment. Why? Because I was intentional. I was intentional. So let's look for every opportunity to encounter God in our lives. Let's see what Paul, when Paul came to Timothy, the young Timothy, how he trained him. He said the following to him. He said, Timothy, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. In this life and the life to come. So how do we do this? How do we do this? See, if we make the Word a priority in our lives, we get the Holy Spirit, we give the Holy Spirit a chance to mentor us daily. We give the Holy Spirit to mentor us. Do you want to give the Holy Spirit to mentor you daily? I said to usually, when I have this book, if I say, in, in my briefcase here, I've got a book written by Winston Churchill. It's one book he's written. It's the only book in the world that's handwritten, and it was signed with my name on it. How many of you would place quite high value on it? It's a high value book. Or maybe think of your ultimate hero in life. If he writes you 
a letter and sign it with your name on it, with his name for you personally, how much value will you put on that letter or that book? A lot. Maybe the letter is 100 years old and you can sell it for 2 million rand. How, many va- how much value will you put on that book or that letter? See, this book was written by God for us, for me personally. This was written for me and every time I open it, it's personal, devotional. There's mentors speaking to my life. There's people that, that is concerned with the foundations of my life that wants to get me to have more wisdom and to encounter God. See, if we make the word a priority in our lives, we give the Holy Spirit a chance to mentor us daily. See, the word cannot be law, but it always needs to be a delight. It cannot be a law for us. You have to read your Bible. Have you read your Bible? No. Ooh. Man, you need, to, you need to go and do double time today. Double time. You see, we are not in law. We are in grace. And grace says that this is a delight. You see, what's the difference between law and grace? Law says, you have to, you have to. Grace says, I want to, I want to. Law says, you're going to be guilty for this and this. Grace says, it is a delight. It is a delight for you. And if we make the word a law, we will always feel guilty. Because you can't read your Bible every day. Some days you are busy. Especially when you're a mom or busy. But we want to read our Bibles. I make a point to read my Bible every day and to make a moment to get that scripture into my life. But maybe you've missed a day or two. Now there's no guilt. There's only delight in Him. There's delight in Him. See, protecting our root system by placing this critical foundation stone will give us access to an all-powerful God. And you know, this powerful God wants to personally walk with us step by step. He wants to walk with us. He wants to encounter you. He wants to speak to you with the deepest moments, the deepest questions, the things that you have in your life that you have no answers with. Do I need to change my job or not? Do I need to shift this or not? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? He's got all the answers. He's just waiting on us to encounter him. He wants to speak to us. We need to be prepared in the Word. We need to be fruitful. And that's what the Word gives. We, the, the Word will, will help us to hear God's voice so much more clearer. See, God wants us to encounter Him through, our, through Word time. And I want to encourage you this morning to take the guilt off you. The guilt that says, oh, I'm not spending enough time in the Word. God is going to, God need, He has to be mad at me. I need to be a better Christian. Have you ever met somebody and said, oh, this is so-and-so, when this guy is a great Christian? I was like, okay, so what makes you great and non-great? You're a Christian, but you can be a great Christian and a non-great Christian. No, no, we are Christian. We believers. What makes us great was that Jesus died on the cross for us. And that when we get this word in our hearts, you will see more of the greatness is what you see more or don't see. Doesn't make sense? I want to encourage you to dive into the Word. If you don't know how, then speak to someone. Drink coffee with me. Go to YouVision on your, on your, on your phone. Don't know if, how many of you have got YouVision. Go to reading plans. Find a five-day or ten-day or one-year reading plan 
And then when you go through the scripture, write the scripture down that really, really gets you. Write S-O-A-P, soap. Soap that scripture. Soap means scripture reading. Then O, how, what did I observe through this one little scripture? Then A, how do I apply it in my life? Just write it out. And then P, write a small little prayer. Lord, help me today to apply this, to do this, to be, to be more patient with my husband or wife or with my boss or with my work. You see, soap it. Get that scripture. Get that observation. Get that application. Get that prayer into your life. Or maybe some days, just read through the Word. Let the Word wash you. And as the Word wash you, you can experience life and refreshment. Amen? So Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you that we can know that there is power in your Word, Father. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.